0: This is AJ Mullican here with Angelique Giordana and uh, Brian P. White, author of Death Doll and sequel Death Doll Exodus. We are here on Muses and Murderers podcast today. How are you doing, Brian?
1: I'm doing okay. How are you?
0: Doing all right. Angelique, are you there?
1: I am here.
0: All right. We've got to start. So Brian, tell us um, a little bit about yourself just to get started about yourself and your work?
2: I'm originally from East Los Angeles, but I moved around a lot, and then I joined the Army. Go figure. <laughs> um, I spent 20 years in it, and I about to retire. So now I'm pursuing my big dream of sharing stories with the world.
0: Awesome. And I've started reading The Death Doll. It's a really uh, interesting book so far, the character of Dee Dee is definitely different from your typical, uh, you know, heroine main character that you that you read about. Um, tell us about the inspiration behind Dee Dee.
1: Dee Dee
2: was born of 20 years of dreaming, starting with Return of the Living Dead Part 3 in 1993. The first two were spoofs, but the third one took a different direction that I really liked. It inspired me when I was, like, 16, and i since wanted to create a zombie like that, that I interpreted as one who could transcend the urges of death, the hunger and all that for love. But more, with more movies I watched, more life that I experienced, uh, the character stayed in my head for a long time. I didn't really write it down, but it evolved into someone who just wanted to help out despite the fact that they're dead. The last two influences were the TV show The Walking Dead and a porn starlet, who, uh, when I looked at her beyond just the sex, I thought, she, I'd like to see her do some more stuff, because she just had that kind of look. Um, instead of the naughty nurse, I wanted to see her do an actual doctor, instead of a slutty secretary, be a serious businesswoman or a politician, a judge, a cop, a bounty hunter. My, my ideas just started to grow a little more, a little progressively badass, let's say. Um, and I was thinking about this while I was watching Rick and his pals survive in an episode of The Death Doll, and it just kind of inserted in her in there somewhere, and she just kind of became the zombie killer. But I didn't want her to be a knockoff of Michonne, so I tried to think of something else to make her stand out, and I incorporated those 20 years of dreaming of the zombie hero into her, and then bam, I had my character. Awesome. And from there, it was just a matter of making the character make sense, working within the boundaries of sense as far as i could go for a zombie story (laughs) and i topped her off with a little superhero logic to make her sort of a beacon of hope in a land where hope died with most of the population
0: okay that sounds like really uh cool and definitely does sound a little different than your than your standard um you know cookie cutter heroine. um what makes zombie what makes the death doll um uh and and its sequel Exodus stand out from the other zombie apocalypse novels that are that are out uh, in the market like uh, these days. Well, I'd like to
2: say a few things. First of all, you're dealing with the dead woman. Um, we've seen more and more women become heroes these days, and that's a you know, people are capable of what they're capable of. Period. Um, stupid to hold them back because of the way they're born, but um, yeah, I tried. It gave me the opportunity to show humanity through her eyes and. The way i see it sometimes too I mean, i'm autistic so i often identify with superheroes like superman dr manhattan you know without the powers of course because they're set apart in some way as such that gives them the ability to look at the whole of humanity and you know how it could do better i incorporated that into my main character because she's also different from other people she can see their failings from the outside because she's no longer one of them. Um, maybe the X-Men zombie series covered this. I don't know. I, I didn't. I never read them. I only heard about them. So that's the comics. You know, this is a novel. <clears throat> as far as the character, I created basically the antithesis of your average female superhero. She's short brown bob hair instead of this long, slowly blonde hair. Uh, no mask. She just wears makeup kind of the one shackle of of her life as a woman but otherwise if she doesn't wear it she's grey skin and they will shoot her flat chest instead of big boobs and I mean because how is anyone going to successfully fight crime years of practice she might have had, it would seem impractical for her to wear any pumps of any kind, so, you know, just keep her in flat so that she can be the most effective. And then um, another thing is that the story also references other zombie works, you know, as, at least as far as those that I know of from, um, as of 2018, because, you know, most other stories don't. The Walking Dead has never heard of zombies. Uh, so it has sort of a meta quality to it that shows just how fallible we can be, even with the knowledge and tools to prevent a disaster like that.
1: Nice. Um, so can you tell us about the recently released sequel? Um, like, give us a brief overview of what's in store for Dee.
2: Well, try and keep the spoilers to a minimum.
1: <laughs> but uh,
2: basically, <laughs> uh, they lost their home. So she and her middle managers... Keep a promise to her wounded partner, um, her soldier partner who woke her brain up in the first place. Um, If they lost their home, then they would follow him to his hometown in California, which is like 1,700 miles of death trek for them, but they keep their promise, and they have to run into other zombies, they run into other survivors, some of them good, most of them not. Then, of course, there's the kind of survivors they'll run into, which range from ragged to well-organized can even put you in a position to be surprised, yet not surprised when you find out what kind of people are still alive. Um, Also, I tend to make this series address prejudice. I once again made a racially oriented villain, like I did in the first one, even if not necessarily racially motivated. Um, It gives me another chance to to share my perspective on just how horrible and counterproductive things like racism and sexism are. I mean, those kind of people those kind of characters in my story tend to have one of two fates. They either learn from it or they suffer for it. Sometimes both. All right. Sorry, hang on a second. Yeah. Sorry about
0: that.
2: That's all right. It's all right. I don't, know how well. it is. I don't know how noisy this
1: line is.
0: Um, it's not too bad.
1: So would you like to see The Death Bell uh, put out
2: for, uh, like, film or TV someday? Oh, absolutely. Or, as uh, Chris Knopf said, as Mr. Big in Sex and the City, absolutely. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: that's how i feel feel about it. I would love to see it because I always see it in my head that way. There's yeah. more than enough material for a TV show, but I'd rather see it in movies because, you know, the story needs to end after all.
0: Yeah. Do you have any particular actors that you can picture in the roles?
2: I do. I highly doubt I get them, but I do. I mean, <laughs>
1: the lead, for example, is an actual porn star, the one who inspired this, uh, the role.
2: I seriously doubt, you know, given the standard for politics and maneuvering stuff, that they would actually hire one to lead an ensemble cast. I uh-huh. have alternatives in mind, but it seems like bad luck to actually name them. Hmm. Sorry.
0: Oh, that's OK. I, mean, <laughs> it, 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 I, can, I can see. Being superstitious about that to a point, you know, you like it's just like uh, you know, in 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 any job, you don't want to say it's too quiet or if it's it's too slow at work because that's the the instant that everything explodes. Maybe. <laughs> so it's kind of like jinxing yourself.
2: Although if I were going to give you one name that could be a viable alternate for Dee, Dee it might be Brie Larson.
0: I can see that.
2: Yeah, she's so just got that look. That could be that teasing predator with a heart of gold that Dee Dee is. Yeah.
1: Are any of your characters in *The dust Doll* based on people you know or have known in your life? Um,
2: not exactly. I mean, some of them were just built as character archetypes. Some designed on specific actors. So, because um, I just wanted to see that. But um, the only real life base for any of them. Are Erin for Dee and Cody are basically parts of me. Her, she represents the, the difference that I feel from other people. Um, and he is the soldier that I am, or better than I am actually. But mm-hmm.
1: that's basically it.
0: Okay. Yeah, you've uh, you've done some other works, or you've got some other works kind of in the in the pot um, in progress right now. Tell us about some of the other things that you're working on.
2: Okay, so I'm working on several novels of different genres. Um, First there's Penance, a crime drama about an obsessed cop after a drug lord who falls in love with a man that turns out to be the drug lord's top hitman. This is my first novel, and it has a sequel. I I, I still had to work on it, and I don't want to give up on it because it's one of my favorite stories. Um, Then I have a romantic comedy called Supporting Her Truth, where a former child actress um, trying to revive her career accidentally in Vegas on Plenty of Booze marries a soldier. Um, So she tries to use the marriage um, as good PR to revive her career so people can see the adult her in a good way. It was inspired by the combination of my being a soldier for uh, so long and a long-standing desire I'd had to be an actor before... um, before I realized that I should be a writer instead. Then there's The Missing Half, sort of an obscure suspense drama that um, takes regrettable events from my past and adds a better ending down the road of trying to share lessons learned and the devastating results. As a result, (laughs) Uh, it tells the story of a recently widowed soldier who is in a custody battle for his daughter and while laid over in Ireland, he meets long-lost twin sister of an old crush, um, and the sister turns out to be an IRA hit woman on the run. Um, I've got an erotic drama I call
1: Mine, at
2: least I've come up with a better title, mm-hmm. uh, about this pe- test pilot who lands her dream man, a guy she's always wanted to be with, except that he has an eye for another man, so she kind of... Let's him have this relationship, and she just gets pulled in. It's a less than an obsession, and just how much how much one can de- endure before they say enough's enough. You know, mm-hmm. before they realize is this really the one? It's kind of an experiment. I don't know who's really gonna buy it, but um, it's like imagine. I Hate to spoil it, but imagine a story, um, erotic or romantic, where woman doesn't get the guy in the end and is actually okay with it.
0: Mm.
2: You ever see any books like that?
0: Not often.
2: I know it spoils it but uh, it's also a wild adventure so if I can get it refined then I'll get it out there. I also have a paranormal suspense thriller called Threshold about a small town cop investing in a series of murders that lead him to a local playhouse which turned out to be a brothel and the owner Turns out to be something much scarier than a madam.
1: I've written several episodes of a TV show called Jillery. I wish I could novelize it, but
2: I haven't figured out yet. It's about a girl who grew up with uh, adult knowledge since her infancy, only to discover the knowledge came from a past life as a Green Beret medic who was killed by teammates, and that the son of her new boyfriend, her new boyfriend, is the son of the guy who pulled the trigger. So lots of drama, lots of ideas. Who knows what I'll bring into the mix.
1: Nice. Is, do you have any work that you've done that you're you've been unhappy or dissatisfied with?
2: Well, there's always something. Um, I've had lots of things that I've started and couldn't finish yet. Maybe someday I will. I do know the second season of jewelry needs some work. Mm-hmm.
0: And. Um what, what's your, since we're, we're, we're titling our show Muses and Murderers, you know, obviously authors are, especially thanks to good old JRR, GRR, you know, are kind of becoming famous for killing off a lot of people. What's your kind of death count in fiction, approximately, so far?
2: Um, well, in the death dolls, well over 100. Uh, same with penance. Jewelry uh, has a few dozen. Uh, I can count on one hand for each like threshold mine and the missing half. And Sporting or Troop may have one, but I'm thinking of taking it
0: out.
2: I'm trying to cut the work, down. Yeah, work count down significantly.
0: So another instance of killing your darlings, you may have to kill the death to get it to work.
2: Yeah, well, you know, the third installation of uh, the D&D series, the death toll judges, uh, there will be a very close death. Cool. So that will be a major darling. I really don't want to kill off, but <laughs> oh no, <laughs> it's, time has come.
0: Yep, they all come eventually. Yeah. So, what's your favorite thing about the whole process of writing? I would have to say the editing because I get to go back into these stories that I love and just over and over feel them out, tune them up with each kind of fix. I was finding something here, oh, this could work better.
2: I mean, I've rewritten DD and DDE several times already before I got them right. So, and I enjoy going back in and feeling all this stuff that they're
1: feeling. I, I actually I, never looked at the editing process like that. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, so, especially because
0: yeah, so, so many authors hate the editing because they look at it as a chore and not as an opportunity to relive the story.
2: I'm not saying I don't feel that way sometimes because <laughs> I am, I'm having problems with some of my works now, my whips now so uh, but I will get through them somehow I do still enjoy going through the story sometimes it's just a matter of a certain detail
1: that you got to get past before you get back into the joy part so what's your least favorite part about the, the writing process?
2: Marketing marketing, marketing I hear you it's very hard for me to really reach people, I've had to work on how I do that and um, but I keep trying because I just have to get this done. So I learn as much as I can. I'm, I'm reading what I can uh, but it often feels like I'm doing it myself. I get uh, experiences from other writers like my friend AJ there, <laughs> which I appreciate. Oh no problem. Um, but uh, <laughs> as, far as, as far as learning, I mean these are all the materials I've read are written by people, Interpreted by other people, like myself. Um, so trying to understand what it says and then incorporating it is a real challenge. But um, I'll get it. I will get it.
1: It's always just a learning process. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely.
1: Of course, if we stop learning, we stagnate, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then then nobody gets anywhere.
2: Yeah. And well, then what kind of stories
1: can we t- um, tell? When- <laughs>
0: If you had one piece of advice or one one moment to be able to sit down with a budding author and just tell them, you know, your best advice as an author, what would that be?
2: For the a budding author? Oh, uh, my key piece of advice for writing is always finish the draft. People get wrapped around the axle about this detail or that. i got to change this, got to change that. This doesn't work. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe they're right. But Finish the draft. Now I've, I've heard writers who uh, claim that that's a bad idea because um, then you get stuck with um, you get stuck on the way the story is and that is a threat. but as I can tell you personally after having rewritten DD and DDE, no, you can get past it. you can find better ways because you're always your worst critic so you're always about to pick apart anything that you've written finding, This detail doesn't work. That part isn't part of this timeline, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I, I... Oh, yeah, finish the draft. Have my
2: advice. Finish the draft. Yeah. And go back and edit later.
0: Yeah. I try to do that, but my problem is I have, I, I get this compulsion when I get a new idea in my head that I have to work it in to what I've already got, and... It's really hard for me to keep going when I'm like, no, I don't want to go this direction. I want to go this other direction now. It's so hard to, to, to focus on that when you've got a new thing that you're kind of like squirreling and hyper-focusing on.
2: Well, I hear that. I mean, if the floodgates open, go ahead and write them. Then there's nothing <laughs> wrong with writing a tangent, um, writing something on the side, but just don't let it stop you. Because if you end up stopping in that direction and you can't think past it, then you can still go back to that previous version that you were writing continue on so you get a little headway there. And mm-hmm. then if you finish either or even both, then maybe you can figure out which elements you prefer best. Figure out how to make them meld into something that flows and you may have your best story. You never know.
0: That's interesting. That's a good, good viewpoint to have on that. Thank you. So do you have... Um, Anything else you wanna you wanna talk about here? I mean, you talked a lot today about your your works and everything. Um, is there anything yeah, else yeah. you wanna leave with, or?
2: Um, well, I know this is like a good time to plug something, but I'm <laughs> not quite ready to do so yet. All I can say is, you know, read the Death Doll, read the Death Doll Exodus. Um, you know, they're quite wild rides with some eye-opening perspective
0: and where are some places online where you can be found where 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 fans agents you know editors publishers where anybody interested in or 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 interested in the death doll or death doll exodus or or that any of your other works where they can find you updates things like that or they can get in touch with you um, you know just where you can connect with your audience where are some good places for that
2: um much just buy my book from Amazon, uh, print, two different print sizes, one of them large print, um, in Kindle or in Audible, um, you can also get it from Audible. Uh, Exodus is almost the same, it's just, uh, just I don't have the smaller book yet, uh, the smaller print, and I don't have the, the Audible yet, I'm still looking for an actress. Uh, Goodreads has information on it, you can actually get the print from Barnes and Noble website, well, sadly not their shelves yet. Maybe
1: someday. Yeah.
2: They
0: they've got some ridiculous standard that you have to meet of of sales before they'll even consider putting it on the shelf. It's kind of
2: I hate hate
0: hard for indies.
2: Yeah. To agree with you because it just feels like yeah, but I also hate to disagree with you because I have to accept the fact of why they do that. I am a business student, so I understand that they need a viable product that they are sure is going to sell. Right. They. They need to know where they can categorize it. They need to count on the ability to sell it and to get their money back if they can't. And unfortunately, with Amazon, you can't return. You can't mark them returnable. I've gone through a big run around trying to do so, and it just doesn't work. So I just I got what I got until I get
1: representation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So your Twitter. Go ahead. i have a book on Barnes and Noble as soon as it's released because my plan is to buy my own book
2: and just place it on their shelf myself. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did sell it uh, a couple copies to uh, what was it, Bookmans in Tucson, and I went back since and couldn't find it. So either they had trouble categorizing, which I doubt, it's horror section, or they sold.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I need oh, to get in touch with Whitman's, like, too. Like yeah, I at marketing stuff is one of the things that I'm just, bleh. yeah. One of these days, I'll figure it out. So, yep. Twitter is Brian P White. Um, do you, you have an Instagram too? I uh, I recall. Um, is it also Brian P White on Instagram?
2: Uh, Instagram. That is, I'm looking it up. Hmm. Um, I think I would memorize these things by now, but <laughs> no. brianpwhite.author. Author.
0: Okay, yeah. Sometimes like your name's taken. I got lucky, and like except for Facebook, all mine is just AJ Mulliken because uh, it wasn't taken yet. And then I'm the idiot who took AJ Mulliken for my own page, my, my personal page. So, <laughs> so it's like. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess I'll make it AJ Millican author, you know, in that one spot. But I try to make everything, you know, cohesive. Uh, but when you got a common name like you, yours is, you know, even with the initial in there, it can be, uh, you know, hard to find the URL you want.
2: Yeah, um, let me. I need to make a correction. The Twitter is uh, Brian underscore P underscore White and Brian with an I. Ah,
0: okay, good. Thank you, thank you for clarifying that for. For the listeners yeah. out there.
2: Yeah, my yeah, you can find the website, but I'll go ahead and tell it to you anyway. It's, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, com slash home.
0: Okay. How often do you update that? Do you just occasionally post updates? Do you post blog posts? Uh, what, what kind of content? I
2: really haven't. <laughs> I, I put my books on there. I put... Mm-hmm. My whips up there. But that's as far as I can get right now. Um, I don't, frankly, don't know what else to put on this because, again, I'm also learning the marketing thing and learning all this myself. I don't have a coach or tutor, just uh, some good tips here and there. And uh, I haven't even figured out how the blog function on the. Yeah, um,
0: I don't know Wix myself, or I'd offer you to help. Uh, I I use. um, dream host in WordPress, so, and then I've got myself locked out of my uh, my plugins on that, so I can't even, like, use the calendar plugin that I got to schedule people for this, this these tapings, because I got myself locked out of my plugins, and they don't work. <laughs> on
2: so. um, Tumblr, I, I did have a, a blog, um, Brian P. White, slash, no, Brian P. White, dash, author. Um, that's my Tumblr.
0: Tumblr is scary. I blog for a
2: while, trying to <laughs> Some of the aspects that I've, um, of DD to try and uh, sort of tease the, the mind of the viewers to, the readers to try and find interest in, hey, maybe I'll read this, but uh, I haven't really done much, and I haven't yeah. really done any entries in a good long while. I've I, been very busy moving. Yeah,
0: college. yeah. I, I got scared off Tumblr because I... I I posted a couple of, a few things, nothing like gory, sexual, creepy, nothing like that. And it was all porn bots that were messaging me and following me. And I was like, I can't with this. Like, (laughs) this is one more thing to worry about and, and like filter through to try to find any meaningful uh, engagement. I was like, I (laughs) know.
2: I wonder if I should, I should be grateful that I don't have to worry about that or that my name is just not, <laughs> not big enough to notice yet.
0: Who knows? Who knows? I, I, I did not want... Uh, funny, funny about name being big enough, I actually had someone follow me on Twitter one time when I first started on Twitter years ago and their, their profile picture was a stolen photo of me off of Facebook in a cosplay and it was a porn bot, uh account. <laughs> Like, it was, it was a photo of me, and they were following me. I'm like, what the hell? And I looked, and it was totally a porn bot um, using my picture as a profile photo. Man, that sucks. <laughs> I was like, I don't know whether I should be flattered or creeped out or a little bit of both.
2: Now, I've had images uh, sat upon one time or another, too, so I know that pain.
0: Well, it, it was just—it was just kind of hilarious to see myself as as the the quote unquote face of a porn bot on uh, on Twitter, and I was like, well, very much not a known person at that time, so it was it was kind of amusing. I'm
1: gonna be like Titi. Yeah. I don't think I've run into anyone using my picture yet, but I don't think anyone would want to.
0: <laughs> I didn't think so either. <laughs> All right, well, um, let's see here. We've talked about just about everything here. Um, you told us where to find you on the media, how to find your book, um, your books, I should say. Um, any, any, any last words before we we wrap up, Brian? Anything else you want to say to to your fans? Any anything you can think of before we we tie up and. And I find some way to make this even more awkward.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow, that's a good
1: question.
2: all I can say is just keep plugging away, uh, especially you, AJ. Because I uh, I want to see I want to read more of your abnormal series. I want to.
0: Yeah, the second book's uh, publisher still got it in their grubby mitts. Third one is is being worked on.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm definitely looking forward to that second one. to yeah. See what else Claire can do.
0: Yeah, oh, it's going to get interesting in the third. The second one is good, too, but the third is going to be really kind of wild because I'm going off in a weird direction. But it's where it's taken me, so I guess I'm just going to follow along.
2: I look forward to reading it.
0: All right. Well, I look forward to finishing uh, The Death Doll. Uh, I've, still, I've still been working through that in between writing sessions and, and life and everything.
2: Um, I hear you. I'd love to hear your take on it.
0: Yeah, I definitely will, once I finish it, uh, definitely will let you know what my uh, what my review is, and I'll post that up on Amazon and Goodreads as well because uh, it's always good to pay it forward and share the wealth. You know, everybody out there listening, review these authors. Post a review. Even if you didn't like it or you got a little criticism, post a review. You have no idea how much it means to us authors to get a review and, and to get the get the numbers, that will get us the visibility that the algorithms, you know, need to to get us out there. Um,
2: Yeah, I want to know what you all have to say, even if, even if, uh, I may not want to hear it. I always want to hear
0: it. Well, the guy who, the guy who left me like a seven paragraph manifesto about how much he hated the book and and ended by saying, it may sound like I didn't like the book, but, um, you know, even that one, I'm grateful for that review.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was a great review. (laughs)
0: I'll have to read it on air someday
2: <laughs> that should be an interesting q a yeah
0: find the person hunt them down be like hey <laughs> let's
1: do an interview
0: yeah all right well thanks for being with us today brian thanks for taking time out of your day to talk to us uh, we will get this up on the air um, once i figure out how to Edit out the the beginning part again because I just kind of was winging it last week when I edited it. Out, so I gotta remember what I did.
2: <laughs> Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, and I had a little fun here too.
0: All right. Well, we'll. we'll uh, I'll be talking with you obviously on Facebook and stuff, and I'll let you know uh, what I think of, of uh, DD and the Death tall once I get uh, once I get it read. All
1: right. I look forward to it.
2: All right. Pleasure
0: having you on. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye
1: bye.
0: All right, there we go. Let me stop the recording now.